Good morning. I'm Jordan Marie Smith from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Friday, March 5th. In today's news, Meghan says the royal family can't expect her silence if the palace is, quote, perpetuating falsehoods. And David Brooks of The New York Times is criticized for undisclosed financial ties. But first, the big idea. The Biden administration is preparing to convert its immigrant family detention centers in South Texas into Ellis Island-style rapid processing hubs. These hubs will screen migrant parents and children with a goal of releasing them into the United States within 72 hours. This is according to information obtained by The Washington Post from the Department of Homeland Security draft plans. The Post's Maria Sacchetti, Nick Miroff, and Sylvia Foster-Frau all report that the plans show the Biden administration is racing to absorb a growing number of migrants crossing the U.S.-Mexico border amid shortages of bed space and personnel. Republicans and some Democrats fear that relaxing detention policies will exacerbate a surge that is already straining the Biden administration. Individuals who cannot be housed in one of the rapid processing centers may need to be placed in hotels in McAllen, Texas, El Paso, and Phoenix. Transforming family detention amounts to a wholesale repudiation, not only of Donald Trump's administration policies, but also those of former President Barack Obama. And it presents a significantly different vision of how to handle the fast-changing character of mass migration at the southern border. For decades, single adults, particularly men, dominated the flows northward into the United States, but the number of families and minors traveling without their parents has increased substantially in recent years. Before the coronavirus pandemic, migrant families and unaccompanied minors were a majority of those taken into custody at the southwest border, a trend that more closely resembles refugee streams worldwide. During the Obama and Trump administrations, most families were quickly released or deported. But some were held in dormitory-style facilities for weeks or months, if not longer, for immigration proceedings. Advocates for these families have long said that they shouldn't be detained at all, a sentiment that Biden echoed on the campaign trail last year. Quote, children should be released from ICE detention with their parents immediately. Biden wrote on Twitter in June, quote, This is pretty simple, and I can't believe I have to say it. Families belong together. More than 470,000 migrant families and 76,000 unaccompanied minors arrived in fiscal 2019, a record on both counts. Most were released into the United States pending a court hearing. Dora Shariro, who led ICE's Office of Detention Policy and Planning, said ICE's experience with family detention shows that it is harmful to children and their parents by placing them in conditions where they are afraid. She said she found the conditions in family detention, quote, dehumanizing and removed all families from a Texas facility and reduced capacity to 84 beds at the facility in Pennsylvania a former nursing home that opened under the George W. Bush administration. She left ICE in 2009 to run New York City's Department of Correction. 
After the Obama administration significantly expanded the detention centers to more than 3,300 beds, she said DHS asked her and others to issue recommendations in a report published in late 2016. Their first recommendation, DHS should operate under the, quote, presumption that detention is generally neither appropriate nor necessary for families. And, quote, detention is never the best interest of children. And that's the big idea. Here are two other stories that should be on your radar. Number one. Megan, Duchess of Sussex, said that she felt justified speaking out if Buckingham Palace was, quote, perpetuating falsehoods about her and her husband, Prince Harry. The Post's Carla Adam and William Booth report that a short video clip of Meghan making the comments to Oprah Winfrey was released early Thursday morning ahead of the airing of the interview. In the video, released on social media by CBS, Oprah asked Meghan, quote, How do you feel about the palace hearing you speak your truth today? Meghan replied, quote, I don't know how they could expect that, after all of this time, we would still just be silent if there is an active role that the firm, the term the royals are said to use for the whole apparatus of the family, quote, is playing and perpetuating falsehoods about us. And if that comes with risk of losing things, there is a lot that has been lost already. The clip was less than 30 seconds long, but it quickly dominated news websites and broadcast bulletins in Britain. It was the second teaser to be released from Meghan and Harry's much-anticipated two-hour CBS special with Oprah, which airs Sunday evening in the United States and a day later in the United Kingdom. The interview was recorded before Buckingham Palace's highly unusual statement Wednesday night that it would investigate allegations that Meghan bullied members of her staff. The Times of London reported that Meghan was accused in a 2018 complaint of bullying staff, especially young women, quote, to the point of tears. People claimed to the Times that the Duchess had bullied two personal assistants who then left their jobs and had undermined a third. Those allegations do not describe the alleged bullying behavior in any detailed way. It remains unclear what exactly Megan did or said to staff, if anything. Meanwhile, the family patriarch Prince Philip, 99, has undergone a, quote, successful procedure for a pre-existing heart condition, the palace said in a statement Thursday. It said he would stay in the hospital for treatment, rest, and recuperation, quote, for a number of days. Number two. The tenets of journalism hold that writers aren't supposed to have a vested interest in the topics they cover, but that if they do, they need to disclose it to the public. The Post-Paul Fari reports that David Brooks appears to have fallen short of those principles. The veteran New York Times opinion columnist didn't mention to his readers that he has had a side gig writing for a project funded by Facebook and other donors. Brooks has written favorably about the project and about Facebook without disclosing his personal financial connection. According to BuzzFeed News, Brooks has drawn a salary from the Aspen Institute think tank for his work on an initiative called Weave, which combats social isolation and seeks to build community relationships. 
The project, which Brooks started, is funded by Facebook and other large donors, including the father of Amazon, founder Jeff Bezos. Bezos also owns the Washington Post. Times readers know about Brooks's work for Weave because he has repeatedly written about it in his column. The problem of social isolation, he wrote in the Times, in early 2019, is, quote, being solved by people around the country at the local level who are building community and weaving the social fabric. But Brooks left out a few important details, namely that his involvement with Weave is more than just as a volunteer. Facebook funded the project with a grant of $250,000, according to BuzzFeed, and Brooks received a salary from Aspen for his work on it, though it is unclear how much. Separately, Brooks has penned some supportive words on behalf of Facebook, posted on its corporate site. Quote, Facebook groups has 1.8 billion users, and more than half of them are in five or more groups. He wrote in a, quote, guest blog for Facebook last month. Quote, clearly people have come to really value the communities they are building online. Mainstream news organizations, including the Times, typically require their employees to recuse themselves from writing about or covering entities or people with whom they have a financial or personal connection. When a conflict of interest is unavoidable, news organizations tend to disclose them in the course of their reporting or commentary. People at the Times said Brooks informed at least some of his previous bosses about the details of the Weave project. But last summer saw the departure of the Times's top editorial page editors, and Brooks's current editors were unaware of the arrangement. Officially, the Times has declined to say whether it knew about Brooks's outside employment. In response to a request for comment, a Times spokeswoman, Eileen Murphy, reissued a statement the company gave to BuzzFeed on Wednesday. Quote, we're in the process of reviewing David's relationship with the Weave Project and the Aspen Institute, and what disclosures, if any, should be added to David's column going forward. She declined to answer follow-up questions. Brooks didn't respond to a request for comment. That's The Daily 202 for Friday, March 5th. I'm Jordan Marie Smith. Thanks for listening.